Open with me to Romans chapter 13 this morning. There's a lot of things that I want to say. And I'm trusting the Lord to give me wisdom to say just what He wants me to say. We live in tumultuous times. As a pastor, I always struggle because much of what goes on in this world is the distraction of Satan. And I believe we're to live above it. However, occasionally something will come along that is so momentous and of such import that I believe that the times that we live in thrust upon us the necessity of addressing them and dealing with them and speaking about them. I've prayed and I've asked God what He'd have me to preach on this morning. I've got three, four, or five sermon outlines in my Bible I could preach. But this morning I just want to mind Him. And there's some things I think need to be said because they're not being said. I believe the generations that are present with us that are younger than us, they need to hear the things that need to be said. Truth is an absolute thing. It's absolute. I want you to think about the things that I'm going to say this morning. I know we live in a society that discourages such a thing. But I want you to think seriously about some of the things that we're going to talk about this morning. You know, we live in a world of false reality that's been created for us. We talked a little bit about it in Sunday school this morning. And and I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I don't know what kind of message this is going to be. But you pray for me as I try to mind the Lord. And I trust He knows what we need. We live in a false reality. A world constructed just for us. You say, preacher, I thought you said truth was absolute. Truth is absolute. But we live in a false reality. Something constructed for us. I'm part of this social media crowd. I bet you are too. Amen. Some of you, I know you are. Part of the danger is this. Through such a thing, we construct a world centered around ourselves. A place that we go to where the only people there are people that know us. We imagine they're there for us. They're not really there for us in the sense of being supportive to us and being there to encourage us and so on and so forth, but they're merely there that we might feel better about ourselves. There's a great danger in such a construct. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, the danger is this, that we're allowed to craft our own reality. If we want people of a certain mindset or belief system, we fill our friends list with them. And that's what our world looks like. As such, I think there's a danger because media and government... And many other things can intrude into that. And we begin to believe what's expected of us to believe instead of what's true. Truth is an absolute thing. Truth will always be absolute. The Bible says that nothing can be spoken against the truth. Speak what you want to speak, but what's true is what's true. One of the alarming things that I'm seeing in our society is marginal Christianity. A Christianity that seeks to hold hands with an ideology that is promoted and propagated by the world and by the devil and by sin and by all of the things contrary to God. And in the other hand, hold close to Christianity. This is a futile effort. Because though we may surround ourselves with people that will let us do that, that's not the reality. The reality is this. Truth causes us to make some choices. 
You see, you've been taught your whole life, and I I think I can say this because most folks in this room grew up under state education. That's normal. And you've been taught your entire life that truth is a relative thing. That what you believe dictates what reality is. Well, let me inform you this morning that what you believe does not dictate reality. Reality ought to dictate what you believe. Truth is an absolute thing. It cannot be legislated away. There are things, and by the way, there were things before Friday that were legal and were still wrong. There were things that were wrong. Now, whether you agree with whether they're wrong or not, or whether I agree whether they're wrong or not, is of no consequence, because truth is absolute. The Word of God shares with us what absolute truth is. And it shows to us that truth is an unchangeable thing. In Romans chapter 13, I I think we see a group of people that were in a similar situation that we are. In fact, many of the responsibilities civilly that are thrust upon us are placed in the beginning of chapter 13. And I won't take time to read it, but you can read it where it speaks about let every soul be subject unto the higher powers and so on and so forth. The Christians that Paul was writing to were living in a time where the truth was trying to be bent and molded and shaped to be something it was not. They were living in a time very similar to the time we're living in. And Paul begins to deal with some things. And and I'm just, I'm trusting God this morning. I hope that's okay. Because I want to say what He'd have me to say. You know, as we read Romans chapter 13, let's read a few verses and then I'm going to say a few words and and I don't know what the Lord will do. Verse 8 says this, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Paul begins by sharing with us the definition of love. We hear a lot about love today. We, if you get on social media, if you watch the news, you'll hear people talking about love wins and equality for all, so on and so forth. Let me say this, that it, it's not equality for all. Because we had a lot more rights before Friday than we have now. So, when we speak of equality for all, we're speaking of a, of a balance of legal equilibrium that must take place. You see, the truth of the matter is, sometimes rights conflict. 
For instance, the right of the thief to go anywhere he wants ends at your doorstep. Rights conflict. Part of the purpose and design of government is to reconcile those conflicts in a means that is acceptable to both parties. You understand that, right? I don't know. You may have came in here to hear me fuss and fume and fight and snort and stomp and spit. But I think this morning what we need is truth. Not a lot of gymnastics. You see, for far too long we've let the truth go. And that's why we're where we're at today. You know, there are some things we know are true. We know they're true. Uh, we know that it, if a man is, is born a man, he'll always be a man. I, I, listen, I'm not up here on a soapbox. I, I'm just... in that. In, don't we understand that? Isn't that true? I mean, you, you didn't... Some of you that have a dog, when you got that dog, you had it neutered. You don't worry about getting it spayed because you got it neutered. You don't expect one day to say, well, I had him neutered, but now he's a female dog. Now he's got to be spayed. I, w- would you just listen to me rant on logic for a minute? Is that okay? That's logical. And yet, we live in a society, and we've built a universe around us that looks at us and says, that's not so. Does that change it from being so? No, it does not. And yet, the bluff of all bluffs and the lie of all lies is being perpetrated to us because they look at me and you and say, you're the one that's wrong. Because reality is a relative thing. Yet reality is not a relative thing. You see, we know that. That's absolute truth. We know that the only productive, or we could say reproductive, coupling of genders is that of a male and a female. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying anything controversial, am I? Open your science book. You see, some of you this morning, you have loved ones that are living in sin, and you think it's your responsibility to support their sin. And you're conflicted because you don't know what to do. If you speak out against sin, you're called a bigot. And you're called a hate monger. That's part of the reality they're constructing. But is that true? That's not true. In fact, all through human civilization, we found it to be so that people could disagree and still love one another. I believe that. I don't have to agree with or support the things you do to love you. Because God did not support with or agree the things I did when He loved me. He lo- I love Him because He first loved me. But you see, some of you in this room, you believe that you have to come out in support of something that the Bible declares to be wrong. Otherwise, you're a hate monger. That's part of a false reality. Society is constructing for Satan is the father of lies. He's the father of deception. And Paul begins by saying this, Owe no man anything but to love one another. We see the expectation of love from God. Did you know that it's not just recommended that you love one another? It's required. That's required. It's not just a good thing. It's the main thing. You need to love one another. Love one another. Make no bones about it as Christians. And you'll hear a lot of people say, 
well, we should not judge people, we should just love them. We'll address that here in a minute, but let me just say this. God loved me, but He still judged me. So love and judgment are not mutually exclusive ideals. Now listen, if you want to go ahead and say, I don't want to change who I run with, I don't want to change my mentality, I don't want to change the things I support, so I'm going to click you off and ignore you, go ahead and do that. I can't stop you from doing that. But understand that when you do, you're placing another brick in the wall of that false reality. You're choosing to ignore truth. You say, I don't reject the Bible as truth, or I don't accept the Bible as truth, then I can't help you. I can't help you. No one can help you. You live in a world with no absolutes then. And no one can help you. It is required that we love one another. It's not that we love one another but. Or we love one another unless. Or we love one another in hopes. It's just that we love one another and we ought to love one another. I'm glad that Christ loves the gay man or the gay woman. I'm glad He does. I'm glad that Jesus died for every man. Every man. He died for you and He died for me and He died for them. And He died for anyone you could imagine. He tasted death for every man. That's an immutable biblical truth. Nothing will change that. Your beliefs about it won't change it. My beliefs about it won't change it. Because nothing can be spoken against the truth. That's true. He died for everyone. And so we ought to love everyone. But we see love defined. See, we see the expectation of love, but we see the explanation of what love is. Look at the next verse. He goes through and names a list of commandments. He talks about thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, so on and so forth. He says that all these, these are the fulfilling of the law, is what he says. These are the fulfilling of the law. So you know what we learn? Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. Please, please listen carefully. Love is a definite thing, meaning it can be defined. See, again, this is part of the false reality they've built for you, is this notion that love is whatever it means to you. But that's not so. I know they say that. I know that's popular to believe that. But I'm sorry, if God's real, if the Bible's true, then that's false. Because love can be defined. can be defined. And God defines it there. There's other definitions given in the Word of God. But nowhere does the Bible say that love is merely physical attraction. Nowhere in the Bible. Nor does it teach us that love is emotional dependence. See, love is a divine thing. It is. I I know you may say, well, but that's not what so-and-so... I don't care what so-and-so said. I care what God said. That's what matters to me. And I hope it's what matters to you. Don't say you're a Bible believer if what God said doesn't matter to you. Go ahead and just acknowledge, just own up to the fact that you reject the truth of the Word of God on that matter. And by the way, if you're going to reject it on one matter, you might as well reject it on every matter. Go ahead and just acknowledge that. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't say, I believe the Bible, but then call that perversion love because it's not love. If you want to call it love, that's your business. Do that. But don't say you're a Bible believer. The Bible says this in the book of Romans chapter 2. The Bible says in defining and condemning homosexual relationships, it says that they work that which is unseemly. Unseemly. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says this about charity, which charity is divine love. 
It's love in, in, in the true and proper sense of the term love. It's not a socially constructed love. It's a divinely constructed love. It says this about charity, that charity doth not behave herself unseemly. So if what they're doing, God says that's unseemly. And if God then turns around and says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that love does not behave itself that way, then if I'm a Bible believer, I'm to believe that that is not love. It's not love. It does not mean that I'm to throw my shoe at them. It does not mean that I'm to cuss at them. It does not mean I'm to be ugly towards them. Because the Bible, when it speaks of truth, it says speaking the truth in love. In love. So there's a means and way in which I can convey truth. I would say this, that oftentimes the very speaking of truth is love. Is love. So we see him define, as it were, what love is. Love is not just emotional attachment or physical attraction. But love is the expression of the will of God to another individual. Because we see this expression. He says, love beareth no ill. Beareth no ill. Love is not a destructive thing. Now, I could stand up here and give you statistics. There's lots of statistics. I, I could give you statistics about how amongst youth suicide that, that homosexual young people are three times more likely to commit suicide, which is true. Yeah. Some studies have said as high as 14 times. I could tell you that. I, I, I could tell you how uh, percentage-wise the vast majority of, of homosexual relationships end in domestic abuse, and they do. I guess they figure they got somebody they can hit. <laughs> That could hit them back. I don't know. I could tell you all those things. But just ask yourself this. Is it a happy lifestyle? I know. I know that the people they show you on TV and on the news, they seem very happy. I'm aware of that. But oftentimes as their bodies are ravaged with disease, as they're twisted individuals that seek ever for relationship to find love and they move from partner to partner to partner to partner to partner... It is an empty lifestyle. You say, you're being judgmental. You're right, I am. You're right, I am. God's already judged this matter. Call me judgmental if you want to call me judgmental. The Bible says that the spiritual man judgeth all things. Now, one of these days, we're going to judge the angels. That's what the Bible says. If, if that doesn't matter to you, that's fine. You just go, go ahead, slather the mortar on, lay another brick in your false reality. I can't stop you from doing that. But I can scream to the top of my voice. I can scream my lungs raw that it is a false reality. And it is not true. It just simply is not true. I, you say, oh, preacher, you say that because you hate. Who do I hate? Who is this an expression of hate towards. You say, but preacher, what about what they want? Well, a lost person always wants to do self-destructive things. That's like looking at at a drug addict. You say, preacher, are you equating the homosexual lifestyle to drug abuse? No. I think it's a lot more destructive. A lot more destructive. But that's like looking at the drug addict and saying, we shouldn't infringe upon your wants by ripping a needle out of your arm and by trying to do something to to clean up your clouded judgment. See, love is an absolute thing, just as truth is an absolute thing. 
There are defining parameters for what love is. And those parameters are important. So we see here a definition of love. But then notice a declaration of the lateness of the hour. He says, and knowing the time. That tells me this, we shouldn't be surprised. Let me tell you something. I know sometimes we we have a very Western mindset. And we operate psychologically within the framework of our nation and our founding. And I guess that's normal. But understand this, that the same kind of immorality that takes place today is the same kind of immorality that was taking place in Paul's day in the Roman Empire. There's nothing new under the sun. And it should be no surprise to us because the Bible says that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be what? Lovers of their own selves. This should be no surprise. You know, one of the things I've struggled with is this, and I don't know how to make you believe this this morning. I hope you do believe it. But I don't know how to make you believe this, that there is not an ounce of hatred in any motivation behind any of these things. Pity, yes. Troubled, yes. Concern, believe it. But no hate. I just look around at a world. Reminds me of, of, you know, the old painting of the stairs coming out of the walls. That's the world we live in. And I, 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 my heart breaks for our young people that are that are growing up thinking that's normal, thinking that it's not okay to disagree. It is okay to disagree. In fact, you're compelled to disagree when men disagree with the Word of God. And you're compelled to agree with the Word of God. That's of vital importance. I won't win any battles today. I didn't come here to win any battles. I came here to give you truth. Because apparently we live in a world where it's hard to find. Apparently we live in a world... I said this to someone, that the thing that shocked me is I've come to realize that society is not as crazy as the government and media would have us to believe. But it's a lot crazier than I had initially hoped. As you look at people that you believe know better, that then exhibit that they don't know better. And it's not that they don't know better, it's that they don't know what to know. They don't know what to believe. They're told there's a bombarding element and pressure and force on society to tell them that all that they know to be true, that in the very fiber of their being, the things that their eyes are beholding, that those are false. And that there's another reality they should adopt for their own. My little boy, if I get him pay attention long enough, I could look at him and I could say, show me a girl. He'd point to his mama. I could say, show me a boy. He'd point to me. Even a child knows these things. You say, preacher, of course, we all know this. We're here in church this morning. You know that we know all this. Yeah, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Because as you look at the way people behave and the things that they support and the things that they say, you begin to wonder. You begin to wonder. We see the expression of this love. And we see that Paul says a few things about the times that we live in. He says that we know the time, first off. So as Christians, this should be no surprise 
Nothing is of substantial difference. Satan's the God of this world, but God's the God of the universe. That was true last week. It's true this week. It'll be true next week. When we run out of weeks, uh, Satan won't be the God of this world, but God will still be the God of the universe. That's not going to change. That's absolute truth. But notice what he says about how it pertains to our life. He says, and that it is high time to awake out of sleep. I think about that term, high time. What does that term, high time, mean? Well, what about high tea? What about this term, high noon? You see, it's a distinguishing word. It's meant to denote that the time that is being referenced is the specific time. And what does the Bible say? Does the Bible say it's, it's time to write letters to congressmen? Hey, I hope you do. God bless you. That's wonderful, you know. You probably ain't doing nothing but killing trees, but God bless you. That's wonderful. Go ahead, write letters to congressmen. That's fine. Maybe that it's time to have a political discussion. No. Does it say that it's time to take up arms? No. What's it time for us as Christians to do? It's time for us to awake. To awake. Denotes a consciousness. A sleeping man, I don't know if you'd call him unconscious. If you sleep the way I do, sometimes you might. But really, we might call it a subconscious state or whatever you might. But a sleeping person is generally not aware. God says it's time to be aware. It's time to be aware. Aware of what's going on around you. Aware of the prophetic plan and timetable of God, aware of the wickedness of the days that we're in and aware of the shortness of our time, aware of these things. I, I, I understand, I, you know, what happened on Friday, it, it matters less than some realize and a lot more than most people realize. We, uh, we see churches, and we might do that, I mean, I'm not opposed to doing this, it just seems sort of futile. As soon as this all happened, you started seeing all these articles popping up about ways you can defend your church against lawsuits and things like that. Uh, and you ought to, saying you ought to put something in your constitution, you know, because the government respects constitutions, right? Well, Brother Chuck, if they don't respect, if they don't respect theirs, I don't think they'll respect ours. It won't really stop anything. I mean, that's fine. If, if you want to do that, that's okay. I'm not opposed to that. But I'm just saying, don't expect that to matter. We live in a lawless society. You understand that? We live in a law. We live in the Wild West again. But it's not Jesse James. It's the federal government. I know. Go ahead. Let them lock me up. They don't pay attention to my sermons anyway. Go ahead and let them lock me up. But that's truth. And the day that I'll cower away from truth is the day I ought to quit. It's truth. We live in the Wild West politically. Nothing matters anymore. I don't know that it's going to make a difference. But I know this. We can take a stand right where we are. And that we can do. And we can wake up. And we can be aware. And we can be conscious of what's taking place. Why? Because the Bible says our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. It's nearer. You've heard it said, but it encourages me so much, I'm going to say it again, that Jesus is coming soon. I believe that. 
I believe he was coming soon before this past Friday. I believe he's coming even sooner now. I believe if he tarries his coming and we're here next Sunday morning, he'll be coming even sooner then. You understand the principle? Every day that we get closer is a day closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every day is a day closer to the last time you'll get to witness to your loved ones. It's time to wake up. Time to wake up. Not to wake up and storm the government, because <laughs> that'd work. <laughs> not, not, to, not to wake up and protest. If you want to protest, go protest. But I don't think they care too much. But it's time to wake up and do what? Well, notice this. We see a demand placed on our lives. He says three things that we are to do. He says, number one, that we're to cast off the works of darkness and we're to put on the armor of light. I'd say it's time for repentance. That's what that means, right? In fact, the the language is so vivid, it's the changing of a garment. What a beautiful picture of repentance. The changing of a garment. Cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now, that's not for the lost man. Because the lost man has no armor of light. He has to be robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's speaking to the saved person. We want our nation to repent when our churches won't repent. Something is fundamentally wrong with that. Our nation won't repent till our churches repent. We won't repent till we embrace absolute truth. Right? We won't repent till we embrace absolute truth. The Word of God is absolute truth. Listen, as long as you're, as long as you're too afraid to speak out for truth because somebody's going to unfriend you or block you or somebody's going to write a nasty letter to you or somebody's going to... We're never going to get things done. I'm not saying we ought to be obstinate and obnoxious. Most of us are anyway. I don't have to tell you to be that. We're kind of all that way. I'm not asking you to be ugly. Because being ugly won't fix anything. But since when did telling the truth become an ugly thing? I don't think it's an ugly thing to tell the truth. You say, preacher, what are you trying to get, get me to do this morning? I want you, number one, to wake up and to realize that the things that are happening around us matter. And the false realities are just sandcastles soon to be swept away by the tide of that which is real and that which is absolute. And it doesn't matter if society says it's okay. It doesn't matter if Hollywood says it's acceptable. And it doesn't matter if the state school system says that it's scientifically proven. If it's in, uh, if it goes against the Word of God, then it's absolutely wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. And God is right. And let God be true. And let every man be a liar. Now, if you don't believe that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're deceived. If you don't believe that, I'm sorry that you're wrong. I don't want you to be wrong. I don't think I'm right because of who I am. I think I'm right because of who God is. And I agree with God. That's why I believe what I believe. I don't hate you. I don't hate your loved one. I don't hate your, listen, I don't hate your gay cousin. I don't hate your gay nephew. I, I don't hate your, your, your neighbor that has a gay child. I don't hate them. I don't hate you, and you ought not hate them either. But believing in what's right is not an expression of hate. It's not now, nor will it ever be. 
it's a time for repentance. It's time to acknowledge that maybe some things we've been believing and thinking and saying and doing are wrong. And we need to stop. And we need to start doing that which is right. It's a time for repentance. It's a time for righteousness. He goes along and he talks about walking in honesty, in honesty, not walking in dishonesty, and how that we ought to live. Let me tell you something. You can complain all you want, but if you ain't living for Jesus, it don't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. You could, this marginal Christianity is what's killing us. This Christianity that's a mile wide and a quarter inch deep, this Facebook Christianity, you know, I'll, I'll post pictures of me getting drunk, getting trashed, living like the world and living like hell, and then on Sunday morning I'll start sharing pictures of, of Bible verses. That, that won't do it. I'm not mad at you, but that's just true. It's just true. That's not real. That's a false reality that you're building for yourself to say that I'm okay when you live that way. No, no, you're not. That's a false reality. Only the truth can follow, can, can shatter a false reality. You see, the sun will make you free and the truth will make you free. That's the only thing that'll do it. It's a time for righteousness, to live right, to do right. I had a preacher friend made this statement. This made me smile. Preachers are the biggest smart alecks in the world. Do you know that? We all are. I don't know why. It turns us into cynics, I guess. But he said, boy, I'm excited for Sunday morning. All these people talking about how awful our country is, they're going to be in church. (laughs) I'm not fussing at you. You're here, you know. I'm just pointing out the irony of saying, oh, what a mess we're in, and Jesus is the answer, and I'm going to sleep in on Sunday. Jesus is the answer. The gospel is the only truth. But I'm not going to witness to anyone. I, listen, I don't. there's half of you that I've made real happy, and there's another half I've probably made real mad. And I don't mean this in an ugly way, but I could give a rip. Because truth is absolute. Truth is absolute. It's absolute. Truth is. doesn't matter whether it makes you glad or makes you mad. It's absolute. And it's a time for resolve. It says, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Time for Christians get serious. Oh, not serious about signing petitions. Go ahead and sign. We've been signing petitions for decades, and where has it got us? We've been not not time not time to, time to start living like Christians. That's what it's time to do. That's what it's time to do. It's time to start living like Christians. It's time to start tearing down those idols and those false realities and start living like Christians. If the Bible says do it, do it. If the Bible says don't do it, don't do it. It's that simple. I mean, we're... We really plead stupidity a lot under the guise of intellectual discussion. There are some things, they're wrong. They're wrong. It's just wrong. The Bible says that wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. I didn't say that. If I had said it, it wouldn't sound near as pretty. It's just right. It's just true. I'm sorry if you've got something sitting in your refrigerator that made you drop your head when I said that. But it doesn't change the truth. What's true is true. Marriage is honorable above all. 
and the bed undefiled. Whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. I didn't say that. God said that. You say, preacher, that makes me mad. Well, then repent and get right. Because your anger will not change the truth. It's absolute. It's absolute. You say, that's hate speech. Well, legally defined, it probably is. But the day that truth becomes hate speech is the day that we have bought into the greatest deception Satan could ever sell us. See, the the truth of the matter is it's time for Christians to stand up. To stand up. We're so worried about standing against something when we've just never stood for something. You got people, listen, you, you've got people wanting to, to, to take things by storm. You've got people wanting to rip down the flag. You've got people wanting to do things that don't even go to church, that don't even read their Bible, that don't even pray. Try standing for something before you're so worried about standing against something. You stand for the right thing and you'll stand against the wrong thing. But to stand against the wrong thing when you're not standing for the right thing, that is the axiom of hypocrisy. Time for Christians to start living right. Do you were you upset by what happened this past week? Were you? Are you going to live right then? Because that's the answer. That's the answer. Truth, absolute truth. I can't make you make any decisions. Right? I can't do that. If I could, I would have already. And I've probably got you in a mess. I can't make you make any decisions. Every person that is in this room, you've been faced with truth. And now you have a choice to make. I cannot make you make that choice. Listen to what can happen. There, there's, there's one, two things that can happen. The, the, the altar call can take place. And you can resist the truth and resist the Word of God and resist the Holy Spirit. And when I meet you at these back double doors, I'll shake your hand. I'll smile at you. I'll tell you I'm glad to see you because all those things are true. Because I can't make you do anything. That's your choice. But understand that when you walk through those doors, you're walking back into your false reality. Or you can purpose that whatever God's done in your life this morning, that you're going to respond. If there's something in you, if you're hearing loss today, you can determine that you're not going to die and go to hell in your false reality. You'd rather have that false reality shattered by the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and put your faith in Him. Let Him eternally and absolutely and immutably save you. That's reality. That's reality. That changes, listen, that changes earth, that changes heaven, and that changes hell. That's reality. If you've got something in your life that God has dealt with you about this morning, some sin in your life, you can repent of that. You say, is that what I'm supposed to do? Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. That's the only answer. And you can get it settled and you can get it right. You can ask God's forgiveness. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you'll confess to Him your sins and ask forgiveness, He'll forgive you. That's reality. This notion that we can just dismiss and ignore our sin and walk back out the door and have a good day, that's a false reality. Your sin won't go anywhere. It lies at the door. And you're either going to confess and forsake it or you're going to live under the judgment of it. So what will you do this morning? I didn't, I didn't, I don't know what to expect. I guess I don't expect anything. 
Because the truth is what matters. The truth matters more than my friends or my family. It does. The truth was here before I was ever here, and it'll be here when I'm gone. The truth is more important than your friends and family. But speak the truth in love. But speak the truth. Speak the truth.